Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone, and hello to those of you on the live stream. Good to have you with us. So as we've said, we have come to the third in our series, uh, Roadmap for Life, learning some lessons from Israel's journey through the wilderness. In the first two weeks, we looked at encounter and direction. If you want to catch up with those, go to our blog and look in the resources section where the talks are recorded. And today we think about provision, God's provision on our journey of faith. Now, um, the whole subject of uh, holidays is uh, perhaps a sensitive subject for some of us at the moment. Um, Many of us haven't had one um, for a long time, but I expect most of us have had some experience uh, in the past, at least, um, of packing up a car for holiday. And some of you may be able to identify with this scenario. This, this, uh, for anyone listening, this is a picture of a car um, where the boot is just rammed with uh, things for the holidays to take away. And it seems to me at least that although our cars have got bigger, the space in them hasn't. Uh, and we still manage to pack every little uh, corner with things that we need. Because we want to be prepared and we're British. And especially if we're traveling in the UK, it could snow, it could rain, there could be sunshine, and we want to be prepared for all eventualities. So we pack, you know, for all those just-in-case items, and uh, we might need it, things, because who knows what might happen when we're on holiday in the UK. But it seems to me that the reality of our spiritual journey is more like this. I've been uh, reading some diary entries by wildlife presenter Kate Humble in her book, Thinking on My Feet. She did a 136-mile walk along the Wye Valley, much of which was unfamiliar to her. Um, And unexpected things happened, things she couldn't possibly prepare for. Some of them were quite painful. And she lost her way, and all sorts of things like that. And she was incredibly helpful on the journey for friendly faces and people who provided help when she needed it. And that, to me, sounds much more like the kind of journey that we are on. But there is one difference, of course, and it's that for those of us who believe, we recognize that throughout our journey, God provides for what we need. So on the 15th day of the second month, after they'd been miraculously led out of Egypt, the Israelites started complaining in dramatic fashion. Steph read these words to us. Oh, if holy we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat round pots of meat. We ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. God graciously answered their prayer, and that evening, quail came and covered the camp. And the following morning, manna covered the desert floor. God provided. So they moved on again. Came to another place, this is chapter 17, and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? And again, the Lord provided. Moses struck a rock and water came out of it. I get the impression they were a bunch of drama queens, to be honest. Um, Just like us, I'm sure, sometimes. 
They couldn't see where the next meal or the next drink was coming from. And so they threw themselves down in frustrated tantrums and with wailing and gnashing of teeth, they muttered and grumbled and moaned and whinged about their perilous state. But despite their attitude, God graciously provided them with what they needed. And in this case, what they wanted too. God graciously provides what we need. That is the core truth coming out of this morning's message. Now, we might need something practical, like food or money or a place to live. We might need something less tangible, like encouragement or support. But either way, God provides. I love the way um, the angel at the tomb says to the women on Easter morning, but go, tell his disciples, and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. Peter, the one who had denied his Lord three times, is singled out for a special word of encouragement because he particularly needed it, and God provided it. God provides in big ways and in small ways. But we ought to spell out, even if it seems too obvious perhaps to be saying so, that although God always provides what we need, he doesn't always provide what we want. Or as one writer puts it, God has promised to supply all of our needs, not all of our greeds. And we can go further and say that God provides what we need, not what we think we need. So, in addition to my work for the church, I work for the county council as a business analyst, and sometimes my role requires me to document a business requirement for an IT system. Stay awake, some of you stay awake at this point. Well, a, a computer system user might come to me and say, look, what I want to be able to do is this. I want to be able to go onto the computer system every week. I want to format my report. I want to be able to click a button, I want to run the report, I want to save it as a PDF, and I want to send it to my manager. That's what they think they need. But perhaps what they really need is just for a report to go to their manager every week. They might not need to be involved at all. And God provides what we need rather than what we think we need. For example... We may think we need a way out of a problem or a situation. Well, perhaps what we really need is the strength to go through it. Paul wrote to the Philippians, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So Paul experienced times when he lacked material things. He had needs, when he was hungry. And God answered his prayer, but not always by providing those material things, but by giving him the strength for the situation. God provides what we need, not what we think we need. And then secondly, God provides what we need when we need it. And let's be honest, this is for us often a cause of great frustration. Most of us would love to know in advance 
that things are ready for us. We'd love to know what's just around the corner. I've uh, read a wonderful book recently by Diane Setterfield called Once Upon a River. And there's a, a little scene in, in the book which I love. Which I, which I love. Um, this man asks a young boy about his future. Um, and the boy says, um, so the, the, the man says, will you join your father in the butcher's shop when you're older? Ben shook his head, I shall run away. Is that a good plan? Well, it's the family tradition, done first by my second eldest brother, then by my third eldest brother, and it will be my turn next, for father only has need of one of us, so being as how the rest of us is not needed, I shall run away before too long, when the good weather comes, I reckon, and make my fortune. Doing what? Well, I shall find that out once I'm doing it, I suppose. And that just wouldn't be good enough for most of us, would it? The idea of just upping sticks and taking off would be far too stressful. We'd want to know where we'd find work, where we'd live, and so on and so forth. But God provides what we need, when we need it, and not before. And he doesn't just do this to raise our blood pressure, but because he wants us to learn to trust him. God provides what we need, when we need it, in the moment to teach us to trust him. Moses writes, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. By faith, Abraham left his people, left his land, left his culture to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance. But he had no idea where he was going at the time. By faith, he took his son Isaac up the mountains, reassuring him that the Lord would provide a lamb for the planned sacrifice. And the Lord did provide, in the moment, just what was needed. And notice that in all of these situations how uncomfortable it was for God's people until the moment of God's provision. They had to wait, they had to trust and get through that challenging time. God provides what we need, when we need it, and not often when we can supply the need ourselves. So the moment the Israelites ate some produce from the land of Canaan, the manna stopped appearing. They didn't need God's miraculous provision anymore. They could get their food using natural means, depending, on course, on God for those sources of food which he has made available to all. So someone prays to God for a job, and perhaps God says to them, why don't you look in the classifieds? Why don't you go on to totaljobs.com? Why don't you go down to the job center? Someone prays to God for wisdom, and perhaps God says to them, would you have it already? Use your brain. You have everything you need to know. Or perhaps um, someone asked God to help a friend, and perhaps God says to them, will you help them? Phone them up. Pop round. God provides what we need when we need it, but not generally when we can supply the need ourselves. And then thirdly, God chooses the method. 
And just as his timing is often not our timing, so his ways are often not our ways. If we can't supply the need ourselves and the resources he has already given us, God is able to step in, and he does so sometimes in extraordinary ways. So during the wilderness wanderings, we're told in Numbers 11 and elsewhere that that the people began to crave more than the manna that God was miraculously providing. And in that just glamorous reinterpretation of the good old days in Egypt, they started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, and the cucumbers, and the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic, and the pizza, and the chocolate cake. But now we've lost our appetite. Sorry, I did add some words there just to confirm. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna, Numbers 11, 4 to 6. And there was a lot of grumbling on the journey to Canaan, wasn't there? And perhaps we often grumble on our journey of faith. But in a way they couldn't have imagined, God graciously and mercifully provided for their needs. A wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. Now, some of you know um, I'm very fond of birds, but I did learn a few things about the common quail in my research. So um, it's shorter, uh, but stockier than the blackbird. I knew that. Um, But I was interested to learn that it's heavily hunted as game on passage through the Mediterranean Sea. Huge numbers are caught in nets along the coast of Egypt. In fact, it's estimated that in 2012, during the autumn migration, 3.4 million birds were caught in northern Sinai, and perhaps as many as 12.9 million in the whole of Egypt. I didn't know that. Seems to me that in this situation, God harnesses the natural forces of a, of, a, of a wind. Those words, a wind went out from the Lord. And the natural migration of these small birds to provide what the Israelites needed in a most unpredictable way. And it reminded me of another occasion when God harnessed natural resources to bring about an extraordinary provision. In 1 Kings 17, God instructed the ravens to bring the prophet Elijah bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. What an extraordinary way to meet Elijah's needs. On other occasions, the provision is even more remarkable. In Exodus 17, another time of grumbling, people muttering, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children, livestock, die of thirst? And Moses cries out to the Lord, And the Lord instructs him to strike a rock and water comes out. Again, what an extraordinary way for God to provide what they needed. Or what about Moses' reference to God's provision in Deuteronomy 8? I don't think this is any less remarkable. Your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't swell during these 40 years. Just let that sink in for a moment. 40 years of walking... Their feet didn't swell, and they didn't need to order any new clothes through Amazon. That is amazing. And we can multiply examples. So in the New Testament, we have the wise men warned in a dream to return to their country by another route. God provides protection. 
We have the example of Ananias, who God sends to Saul, who later became Paul. Saul, the persecutor of Christians. He sends him Ananias because what Paul needs at that moment is support. God provides support. We have confirmation in Acts chapter 10. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the Gentile household of Cornelius, making it plain to Peter and the other Jewish disciples that the Gentiles were acceptable to God. God provides confirmation. And I could go on and on and on, but I hope you get the point. If we can't supply the need ourselves using the resources that God has already given us, he is more than able to step in, and sometimes he does, <clears throat> in unpredictable and often unrepeatable ways. God provides what we need, when, when we need it, in his way and not ours. So, what's our response to all of this? Well, I think as individuals and as a church, there are a number of things we could take away, but I want to highlight three in particular. <clears throat> so the first is that we should be grateful and not grumbling. Grateful for what we have, not grumbling about what we don't have. You know, it is striking when we read the accounts of the Exodus how often the people of Israel mutter about the rosy-tinted past of their mental fabrications, the good old days. And they just forget conveniently what the past was really like and how God was meeting their needs in the present. And I think we too have this natural tendency to recall the fictitious glory days of the past and forget the problems that we had then as well as the grace that God gives us today. You may be wondering about this map. Um, it is here partly for Ian, obviously. Um, but on the A83 in the west of Scotland, there's a place with a lovely name, Rest and Be Thankful. Isn't that lovely? It's called that apparently because the climb out of Glen Crow is so long and steep at the end that it was customary for travellers to whew, rest at the top and be thankful for having reached the highest point. Well, we don't have to reach the highest point before we stop and rest and give thanks. That's something we should all do regularly. Grateful, not grumbling. Second, Trusting, not troubled. The many stories of God's provision in the Bible should encourage us not to be troubled, but to trust. To his anxious disciples in John 14, Jesus says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And that, and that word believe is the Greek word, pisteo, a really common word in the New Testament. 245 times it occurs. It means not just to believe intellectually, but to put your trust in, to put your confidence in, to be reassured in. And as we read God's word and the stories of his provision in its many forms, we should take courage that God will provide what we need in his own time, in his own way. And then thirdly and finally, remembering not forgetting. So when the people of Israel finally got to the promised land at the end of their long journey, God instructed them to build a pile of stones, somewhat bigger than this one, I have to say, much bigger, uh, right in the place where the Jordan stopped flowing so the people could cross. Why? 
because these stones were to be a reminder of God's deliverance and provision. A solid, lasting memory device for every Israelite. And you can imagine it, can't you? Some years later on, um, grandfather is perhaps walking with his son, they're holding hands, and uh, the little boy says, Grandpa, what's that pile of stones there? What's all that about? And the grandfather explains the story, the flow of the Jordan was cut off, and that these stones remind us that God provided. These, God, these stones remind us that God gave us a way across the Jordan. These stones remind us that God led us into the promised land. Why do we need these memory devices? Because we forget. Because we forget. We forget how God has led us. We forget how God has provided for us, how he's protected us. What can you do to set up a little memory device this week to remind you of how God has provided for you? So, God provides what we need when we need it in his way, not ours. Let's be grateful, not grumbling. Let's be trusting, not troubled. Let's be remembering and not forgetting. Amen.